0: Kiddos, I am reminding you that your challenge this week is to get outside and get wet. So, uh, do you remember the egg toss we did at the beginning? Oh my gosh, it felt so long ago. It was at the beginning of fourth grade. We had that party, and uh, I was looking at pictures the other day, and I saw the egg toss, and it was so much fun. And you can do the exact same thing with water balloons, right? You can just see how far you can get uh, before the water balloon breaks, And that fulfills the challenge. You will get wet. We are on chapter eleven clues. Although Aunt Claire arrived later than usual the next day, it was almost dinner time, she found no freshly baked dessert, no flowers by her bed, no fresh towels. She didn't even find Rosalind. She's at Anna's, said Skye after all the hugging and distribution of dog biscuits and chocolate caramels. She couldn't stand the strain. "'What strain?' asked Aunt Claire. "'The dreadful strain of the date with Marianne,' said Jane. "'Even Rainbow fears that her courage may never be enough.' "'Rainbow?' "'My sister raves,' said Skye. "'Ever since the announcement that Sisters in Sacrifice was going to be staged, Jane had been blabbing about Rainbow as if she owned her, which, of course, she did. But no one could know that.' "'I might rave about some things,' said Jane.' But not about the strain, Aunt Claire. We're all feeling it, and Daddy won't tell us anything about this Marianne. He told me on the phone that he met her in a bookstore, but nothing else. Rosalind, Skye, and Jane are afraid Daddy's going to marry her, said Batty. Did you bring any presents? Marry her? That's a little premature, Aunt Claire laughed at them. And no, my pirate, I didn't bring you presents this time. Truly, though, Daddy's acting weird. "'and it would make anyone anxious.' "'Sky took Aunt Claire's suitcase out of the car trunk. "'See for yourself. He's upstairs getting ready.' "'They all trooped inside and up the stairs. "'When Aunt Claire knocked on her brother's door, "'he came out into the hall. "'He was dressed in a very un-date-like manner. "'You're wearing that ancient sweater "'on your first date with this woman? "'What about that nice blue shirt I gave you last Christmas?' "'asked Aunt Claire. "'Hello to you too, Claire.' And the shirt you gave me is flannel. Marianne doesn't like flannel. Doesn't like flannel. Aunt Claire looked sideways at Skye, who made a we-told-you-he-was-acting weird face. So you do know something about her? Certainly I do. What's her last name? Dashwood. Marianne Dashwood. An unusual name. Perhaps, but it suits her. He headed down the steps, the flock of female penderwicks trailing along behind him. Halfway down, he turned, pushed back everyone to get back to his room, and came out again, wearing a sports jacket. "'Why are you taking that along?' Claire said, pointing to the orange book peeking out of the jacket's pocket. "'Are you going to read to her?' "'No, of course not.' Skye was almost sure he blushed. But before she could look closely enough to be positive, he was running out of the house— calling up his shoulder about the soup and sandwiches he'd left for dinner. His three daughters, who couldn't remember the last time he'd gone away without hugs, stood forlornly at the door after it shut behind them. Aunt Claire stared a little forlornly, too, then shook herself and said brightly, "'Come on, let's do something fun while we eat.' "'I know. It's been a long time since we've played Clue. How about it?' Clue was a general favorite. While Jane helped Aunt Claire serve up the dinner— Skye dug the clue box out of the hallway closet where all the games were kept and set up the board and missed the sandwiches. Then, everyone had to switch chairs so they could be near their favorite characters. Jane chose Miss Scarlet because she secretly longed to wear a long, slinky gown like hers someday. Skye claimed Professor Plum, noticed that he had red hair, and decided he was a professor of astrophysics. Batty would be no other than Mrs. Peacock as only Mrs. Peacock was named for an animal. That left Aunt Claire, and since no one ever wanted to be Colonel Mustard because of his whip, and since Mrs. White was now represented, represented by the top from a vitamin bottle, Hound had eaten the original long ago, she went for Mr. Green. Highest throw start, said Sky. when they were all settled. She picked up the dice, and the front doorbell rang. Jane ran to the door. Was it Daddy home again already, so confused by love and romance that he lost his keys along with his heart? But it was Tommy. Is Rosalind home, he asked? I need to talk to her. She's fled her troubled abode, but come in anyway. Aunt Claire's here and we're playing Clue. When he hesitated, Jane added, and we have plenty of sandwiches. The sandwiches pulled Tommy in, and soon he was Colonel Mustard. They all decided a whip wasn't so bad if it was just for show with a stack of sandwiches in front of him. Everyone rolled the dice. Batty had the highest roll of ten, and Clue could begin. They played six games that night. Not one of the games was played according to the rule book. what with Batty using secret passageways where there weren't any on the board, and Tommy and Skye throwing the tiny weapons at each other, and Jane forgetting her strategy because the mansion on the board reminded her of Arundel Hall. Though Arundel Hall didn't have a conservatory, and it certainly didn't have a billiard room and Aunt Claire guessing everything wrong on purpose so that she wouldn't win. But, as Jane said, rules aren't the most fun thing in life, and everyone enjoyed themselves immensely, until Aunt Claire dragged a reluctant baddie up to bed for story time and sleep. What now? Sky asked the other two. We could watch a movie, said Jane, looking at Tommy. It was always more fun to watch a movie with Tommy around. Sure, he said. At least leave until Rosalind comes home. "'Thanks for the ride home, Mrs. Cardassus. Good night, Anna,' said Rosalind, yet she made no effort to get out of their car and go into the house. The first thing she'd noticed when they drove up was that her father's car wasn't in the driveway. He was still out with Marianne. "'Come back with us,' said Anna. "'You can spend the night, can't you, Mom?' "'Of course.' "'Thanks, but I shouldn't. The evening at Anna's house had been so much fun,' They played basketball, listened to music, and made caramel popcorn that Rosalind had almost forgotten to worry about her father. But she couldn't stay away from home a whole night, not without Claire visiting. It would be heartless and selfish. Everything will work out fine with your father, Rosie, said Anna's mother. You'll see. I guess so, said Rosalind, finally getting out of the car. She hated it when people said that everything will work out fine. How could they know? As Anna and her mother drove away, Rosalind started up the front walk, wondering if she could sneak up to her bedroom without talking to anyone. She didn't want to hear about how Daddy had acted when he left, and she didn't want to wait up for him to come home. Just this once, it would be lovely to go to bed without new things to fret over. Quietly, she let herself into the house and peeked into the living room. Aunt Claire was on the couch watching a movie, one of those old-fashioned English dramas it looked like. And Jane and Sky were stretched out on the floor, both sound asleep. Aunt Claire spotted her and blew her a kiss. Rosalind waved back and tiptoed away. So far, so good. She would just go upstairs, looking on Batty. But as soon as she passed the kitchen, she heard the refrigerator door being shut. Who could that be? Surely Batty wasn't awake and rummaging around in the refrigerator on her own. It was Tommy, eating ice cream right out of the container. He hadn't seen her, and she thought about slipping away before he did. But suddenly, ice cream seemed like a good idea. "'People with manners use bowls, you know,' she said. Tommy looked around helplessly. Taking pity on him, Rosalind got two bowls out of the cupboard and spooned a huge helping of ice cream into one bowl for him and about half as much into the other for herself. "'Thanks,' he said. "'That movie they're watching made me hungry. "'Everything makes you hungry.' true. Tommy's bowl slipped from his hands and fell upside down on the table. The ice cream splattered wildly, though it seemed most attracted to Tommy's shirt. What was wrong with him? He certainly couldn't be nervous, thought Rosalind. Not around her. She dabbed at his shirt with a damp towel and gave him another bowl of ice cream. You all right? Of course I am. To prove it, he got this new bowl safely to the table. Rosie, Do you know Trilby Ramirez? I know who she is. An eighth grader. Trilby had straight black hair that fell to her waist. And she was in gymnastics club. Rosalind had seen her do perfect splits on the balance beam. She asked me to go to that autumn extravaganza thing with her tomorrow night. Are you sure? That was rude, so she tried again. I mean, why? I don't know. Tommy sounded almost as surprised as she was. I guess she likes me. Rosalind stopped herself from asking why again. After all, there wasn't any reason for anyone not to like Tommy. Well, of course she likes you. I only meant... The one time Rosalind had tried to split on the balance beam. She'd fallen off and bruised her elbow. But what was the balance beam next to brains, anyways? That is, I don't know what I meant. Are you going? I don't know. Do you think I should? Why not? Why not? Suddenly, Rosalind was tired. She wished Tommy would leave, him and his trilby Vermeers with her long hair. I just thought that maybe you, Tommy racked the spoon against his head and then flinched. He'd forgotten he was helmetless. That I what? Nothing. I mean, it would be more comfortable if you were going, too. Comfortable. Rosalind stood up and put her bowl in the sink. Well, I didn't get invited to the 8th grade dance. You know that. Don't be mad at me. Why would I be mad? I've just had a long day. He stood up, too, and said, I'll go home, then. Thanks for the ice cream. You're welcome. Good night, Rosie. Out of patience with men and their confusions, Rosalind didn't answer, waiting with her back turned until he left. Really, she was dreadfully tired. But before she could rest, there was a little sister to check on. Rosalind crept upstairs and into Batty's room, hoping that she wasn't awake and expecting more stories. Yes, all was well. Batty was very much asleep, though she managed to kick her covers and most of her stuffed animals to the floor. But someone else was awake. Hound, sprawled across the bottom of the bed, was now blinking sleepily and guiltily at Rosalind. Off, she whispered. He dropped to the floor, taking the rest of the stuffed animals with him, and slunk into the corner where he was supposed to sleep. And stay there, Rosalind said it firmly, though both she and he knew he wouldn't. She managed to get all the covers and animals back to where they should be without disturbing Batty, then gave Hound one last stern, just for form's sake, look. As she slipped back into the hallway, She heard the front door open downstairs. Daddy was home. Really, truly, Rosalind didn't want to hear about the date. But some horrid fascination kept her rooted in the shadows at the top of the stairs. Aunt Claire was out of the living room now, speaking quietly so as not to wake Skye and Jane. How was your date? Fine, he answered, just as quietly. Rosalind... "'Despite herself, leaned closer to listen. "'Fine, great. Fine, okay. Fine. Like you'll see her again?' "'Perhaps,' he yawned. "'She's a charming woman. She likes taking walks.' "'You took a walk with her, Martin? That was your date? "'That's not much more exciting than reading a book to her.' "'I know what I'm doing, Claire. Everything will work out fine.' Rosalind stumbled off to her bed, badly needing someone or something to punish. Perfect. There on her desk were the brownies she'd baked for the autumn extravaganza, hidden away from hungry sisters. Bam! 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 She smashed the brownies into a million little pieces and threw open her window, tossing the whole mess out into the night. "'The eighth graders,' she said, brushing crumbs from her hands, "'are not good enough for my brownies.' Before closing the window again, Rosalind stuck her tongue out in the general direction of the Geiger's house. Why had she bothered? She didn't know or care. Some things, she thought, were too unimportant to fuss over.